Sunday before Lent, and, and so uh, next Sunday is the first Sunday in Lent, um, the traditional passage to be read is the uh, story of the transfiguration of our Lord. And uh, this year we're looking at the book of Mark in the uh, readings from the lection. And so we'll read and I'll speak to, you might want to follow along, Mark chapter 9. Is that right? Yep, verses 2 through 14. In your few Bibles, it's on page 1000. Mark chapter 9, 2 through 14. 14. So please hear and listen for the word of God. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a very high mountain where they were all alone. And there Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. See, he didn't know what to say because he was very frightened. Then a cloud enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud and said, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, no, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And they kept the matter to themselves, discussing or arguing what rising from the dead means. And as they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come. And they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. And when they had come down to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd, so at the foot of the mountain, around them and the teachers of the law, the scribes, arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. and We ask that as we ponder, meditate, think about your word, it would take deeper root in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're becoming or getting increasingly close to the political season, or perhaps in our age, it's always the political season. It just intensifies. And I completely understand what the politicians are doing at this political season. When they stand up and they speak with such utter certainty about everything, everything they know the answer for and they're just so certain about it and they can tell you where they stand and why they're right and everybody else is wrong and I understand why they do that. I got to tell you I do find that annoying because in my world, at least the little world I inhabit, the more I come to understand something, the less I seem to know. Or maybe it's the other way around. The more I know about something, the less I understand. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know one thing. 
one thing. So Peter, James, and John are invited by Jesus to go on a retreat. And that's what this is. This is a retreat. And by the way, in this sermon this morning, there's like tons of points. Nine, if you're following. Which is way too long. You should be scared. You could be here until like three. Um, And they're all starting with R. So I'll try to keep you where you are. So they go on a retreat. First R word. They go on a retreat, which is exactly what they're doing. Peter, James, and John are invited by Jesus to go on a retreat. So very briefly, let's just understand what a retreat is. A retreat first of all, is something that's done fairly infrequently. So daily, like I said with the kids, we're to pray morning and night and such. Weekly, by commandment, good old number five, we're to worship. And infrequently, we go on retreat, but they're more intense. And so we retreat in order to be intensely with the Lord. We do it in community, so there's Peter, James, and John, And Jesus, in other words, what's going on here is that this is not a time to bring thousands of people to the Lord. There is a time for evangelical uh, witness, clearly. But there's also a time, which is going on here, in which those who already know retreat in order to know more deeply. So that's what the kids are doing at Watson. They already know, but now they're going to know more deeply. So Peter, James, and John retreat... And the reason why they retreat is order to reflect. Second R word. They retreat in order to reflect. Peter already has said, just like the day before, has answered the question of Jesus. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered on behalf of the twelve, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That they know. But now they retreat in order to reflect on a deeper level what that means. What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? So um, last week, as you know, I was away on vacation and and, uh, I read a book. How's that? And is it annoying when I keep telling you what books I read, like you should read them too? I mean, you can tell me what books you read. I don't care right now, but don't talk. (laughs) Rudeness. Uh, So anyway, the book I read, and I would actually uh, suggest to you, is a book called The Shallows. Anybody, raise your hand lightly if you've read The Shallows. It's a bestseller and such. Uh, A guy named Nick Carr, Nicholas Carr, has written it. And the book, The Shallows, basically says this. In a nutshell, it says this. That we are living in a culture, and I agree like 10,000%, which is increasingly distracted. Largely that is because of the, the use of the internet, that we click around quickly. That it's because of the use of television in which Breaking news is happening all the time, and all the breaking news is equally as important as the other breaking news, including, my little pet peeve, ESPN, which has breaking news. How can you have breaking news on sports? You know what I'm saying? But all this is coming at us, bang, 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 and we click around on the internet, and we're constantly surrounded by music, so that we are, and this is what Nicholas Carr argues, we are becoming incapable of being silent, and therefore thinking deeply. Peter, James, and John go away on a retreat by themselves up a high mountain to be alone with Jesus to reflect on what they already know. Thou art the Christ. Now what does that really mean? So they can think deeply, so that it can get more into their core. So what happens? They retreat in order to reflect. 
How do they do that? They rise, third R word. They literally go up the mountain. Now, that's a literal thing. They climb a mountain. It's probably one of the sacred mountains, Horeb, or who knows, it doesn't say. But, they, but I'm also suggesting that's symbolic, that they rise not only physically, but they rise spiritually so that they can be with Jesus, so they can think, as St. Peter says, or St. Paul says, so they can think on things that are higher, think on things that are above, Think on these noble things, whatsoever is true and lovely and beautiful. Think on these things. So they retreat in order to reflect, and they rise, fourth our word, in order to be in relationship with, in order to increase their relationship with Jesus. And the way to increase your relationship, as I said to the kids, and in fact the only way to do to increase your relationship is to spend time. And so they spend a lot of time with Jesus. So, for example, if your spiritual life consists of firing off quick prayers to Jesus when you're driving, you might want to think about your spiritual life because it's not going to get any deeper that way. So what do the disciples do? What do the apostles do? They retreat in order to reflect. They rise in order to be in relationship with. And the consequence of that is revelation. They what is revealed to them is the true being of who Jesus is. So they have a revelation. Jesus is transfigured. His true divinity shines through. Now they're not just with this carpenter from Nazareth. Now they see who Jesus really is. He is the divine one, the holy one, the preexistent one. The divinity of Jesus shines through, and they see on one side Moses and the other side Elisha. Now that's uh, literal, but again, there's lots of symbolism going on here. So let me just unpack that a little bit, as you'd likely know. Moses is symbolic of the law, the old law. So the Ten Commandments, because he received the Ten Commandments, but also the first five books of the Bible, which are called the Book of Moses. So Moses is the law, but if you have the law only, then that's reduced to a kind of rigid legalism. Elijah symbolizes all the prophetic witness, but if the prophetic witness, in other words, thus saith the Lord, God spoke to me and he told me to say this to you, thus saith the Lord, if the prophetic witness is not grounded on the law, then you can just have flights of fantasy. So you have all the law and all the prophets pointing at Jesus, looking at Jesus, focused on Jesus, who is the center, and by the way, not only is Moses and Elijah Peter, James, and John are focused not on Elijah, not on Moses, but Jesus, who is the full revelation of God. So if you want to know something about God, look to Jesus. Now, I'm still in Revelation. Peter, in a moment, will say a very stupid thing. Boys can say very stupid things. Um, girls, am I right? <laughs> but I've got I to give Peter credit here. When Peter talks... He still focuses on and speaks to Jesus, even though what he says is kind of dumb. In other words, he doesn't speak to Elijah or he doesn't speak to Moses. Now think about that. If you were up there, if you were on the mountain, there's Jesus, transfigured, Elijah and Moses, and you know it's Elijah and Moses, wouldn't you like to ask Elijah a few questions? Like, Elijah, how cool was that when the chariots of fire came and swooshed you up? I mean, how did, or, or when you were, maybe on this mountain, maybe right here, when you were like, when you gave up, you know, when you were like suicidal, when you said like, God, take my life, I'm done. I mean, what was that about? 
But Peter doesn't focus on Elijah or Moses, but he stays focused on the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so the consequences of this retreat in which they're reflecting on the person of Jesus and what it means that Jesus is the Christ is that they have this revelation. So what they know, they know even more. And a voice comes from the cloud. And here's the sixth R word. Reaffirms what they already know. And so the, vo the cloud actually envelopes them. The reaffirming voice comes from the cloud and says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Now they've heard that already. This is a reaffirmation. They, they know this already. See, what they know, they're knowing more deeply. So when Jesus was baptized, he went into the water with the Baptist, John the Baptist, and a cloud came over them. And what did that cloud say? This is my beloved son with whom I am well, same thing. And every time Jesus speaks, he says, truly, truly. In other words, what I'm saying is true. Listen to me. They know this already. So what they know, they're knowing more deeply. So they have this revelation, Jesus transfigured, all scriptures pointing to Jesus, the reaffirming voice, what they know, they know more deeply. This is my son, listen to him. Now the seventh R word, the reaction. The reaction of Peter. This is where Peter gets stupid. Let me kind of try to understand Peter. One of the things that happens when you're frightened, now you understand that Peter might be a little scared about this, right? I mean, here's Jesus looking, I mean, he's, you know, transfigured, and these guys who've been dead like 2,000, 4,000 years, that's kind of scary to see people have been dead for 2,000 and 4,000 years. So Peter's a little, you know, like free. What happens when you get scared? This is universally true. What happens when you get frightened is you tend to, you do, lapse into stereotypical behavior. So, for example, what do men do when they're lost in the car? Or I should say, what don't they do? Right, you just fall into stereotypical behavior. You don't ask for directions. Maybe you'll just bump into where you want to go, which is kind of stupid, right? It's kind of stupid. What does Peter do? He sees Jesus transfigured, Elijah, dead 2,000 years. Moses, dead 4,000 years. Let's build something, guys. Where's my hammer? You know, let's get some nails. Let's, let's build a tabernacle. You know what I'm saying? Where's the duct tape? Let's, let's isolate these boys. And I mean, how stupid is that? That's just dumb as you can be. But what does Jesus say in response to Peter's stupidness? Nothing. How gracious is that? How gracious that Jesus ignores our stupid behaviors sometimes. How many people appreciate that? <laughs> Jesus is just gracious. He just ignores it. So Peter's reaction is stupid, but the Lord is gracious. Then they come down the mountain. The eighth R word, restriction. Restriction. And really, this is where I want to focus on. The restriction that Jesus places on them is this. Don't tell anyone. Now think about this. They just saw Jesus transfigured, they saw Moses and Elijah, and Jesus says, don't tell a soul. Now, come into modernity. What would we do? Tweet. <laughs> Guess what I just saw in 44 characters or less. Or FB, Facebook for you uninitiated. Or it'd be like, guess what? I mean, we'd be like all over the place because in modern times, everything we know, everybody has to know right away, right? Don't tell a soul. In other words, P 
Peter, James, and John know more than anybody in the whole world. They know what they knew before, but now they know it more deeply. Jesus is the Christ. They've seen it. But they don't know enough yet. Let it, let it stew a little bit. I like that word stew. Usually we stew over anxieties, right? Oh, what's going to happen to me? What happens if we stewed over the Word of God? Like, you know, my wife and I, Jane and I, we, uh, we use the slow cooker, the crock pot. You all use crock pots? So you put the whatever in there, and, and you'll just let it stew, and the heat gets in, and it gets all soft, and, you know, the hardness of heart just kind of gets... What happens if we allow the, the Word to stew a little bit more so that what we knew, we really knew, we really knew? So Peter, James, and John, now they know even more deeply that Jesus is the Christ. They know it. They've seen it. They know it. They know it. Thou art the Christ. They know it. And yet, they're asking questions on the way down because sometimes the things you know, you don't understand. What do you mean, Jesus, that we shouldn't tell anybody until after the resurrection? And what's this thing about Elijah coming before the Messiah? I don't know. So what they know, they really don't understand. Or is it what they understand, they really don't know? Because they know it more deeply. And yet, the more you know, the less you understand sometimes. So they get down to the foot of the mountain. The last R word, the ninth R word, they return. And what do they find when they return to the foot of the mountain? The scribes and the Pharisees and the people and the Republicans and the Democrats, they're all arguing over 1% and class warfare and who's going to pay for health care reform. And, and here these three guys know more than anything in all the world, more than anyone. And they don't speak. Maybe, let me just guess, maybe Lent is a time of year to stew over the Word of God. Maybe it's a time of year we should say less. Maybe we should stop making bold proclamations so that everybody knows we're right. Maybe it's the time of year to take what we know and know it more deeply. And maybe like Peter, James, and John, we'd be a little more effective as witnesses to Jesus Christ. Just saying. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks. Because the one thing that we know with utter certainty, unquestionably, the one thing, you are the Christ, you are the Lord, you are our life, Yet what does that mean? You are Lord over everything, every motion, every movement, every breath, the hairs of our head, the steps of our life, over death, over life, over everything. Lord, the one thing we know, help us to know this more deeply. Thou art the Christ. You are our Lord. In thy name, Amen.